in the land of the wild yak by sven hedden this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org we broke up our camp on the morning of october twenty ninth after a night of forty nine degrees of frost at an early hour so as to find water for our thirsty animals as soon as possible a small lake and two springs we passed were frozen as hard as rock beside one lay the skull of a yak which had evidently had its throat cut with a knife we also saw two fireplaces on the way and at camp number fifty a path which however might have been worn by wild yaks we therefore were no doubt coming near to other men and we were always on the lookout for tents next day the storm increased in strength and it was only with the greatest effort of will that i could use my hands for map sketching we seemed paralyzed and could no longer think clearly we were like the field mice which run from one hole to another seeking to find shelter from the wind and cold on arriving at a spring i slipped down wearily from my horse and thought i should be frozen before the fire was kindled muhammad isa also and four other men were ill and could not assist in setting up the tents when my tent was ready i crept into bed in my clothes boots and all while robert and tearing were covering me up with warm wraps i was seized with violent ague my teeth chattered and my head ached terribly robert who had been trained in nursing in dr arthur neve's school now proved an excellent doctor and took every care of me as soon as we were under cover he plunged into the study of burroughs and welcome's medical instructions the tabloid brand medicine chest stood open as frequently happened in my tent stanley amon pasha jackson scott and many other travellers have prized this ideal travelling dispensary as highly as myself my case a present from the english firm had been filled with a special regard to the climate of tibet at ten o'clock at night robert and Tsering undressed me there were forty seven point nine degrees of frost in the night and the storm howled dreadfully robert took my temperature every two hours and it rose to one hundred six and one half degrees high fever mark as he told me after he pondered whatever he was to do if i remained for good at camp number fifty one i could not sleep and robert and Tsering watched beside my bed in turn glowing lumps of fuel were brought in all through the night and a burning candle was placed behind a box where it was protected from wind and draught i was constantly delirious and the men were much concerned for they had never seen me ill before next day the fever had slightly abated when muhammad isa slipped gently into my tent to inquire how the sahib was he informed us that the wounded yak was dead and that in cutting it up two tibetan bullets had been found also at three places hearths had been seen which could not be more than two months old for ashes still lay among the stones so hunters had been here in autumn and he was quite convinced that we should soon meet with the first nomads it was still as the grave only the storm howled and moaned all the men in the camp were afraid of disturbing me but i gave orders in the evening that they should sing as usual i could not lift an arm without help and i lay hour after hour watching the curious lights in the tent 
within the steering candle emitted a dull light and the yellowish-red blaze of the fire and the bluish moonlight penetrated from without the singing sounded melancholy and wistful and was accompanied by the howling of the storm on november second the storm still raged having now continued to the sixth day i had slept a few hours though the cold sank to fifty-two degrees below freezing point i was getting a little better but i was still extremely weak robert who was troubled because his horse had died in the night read to me one of the novels we had stolen from dc's depot tsering and rehemali massaged me in the asiatic manner to restore my strength and so we arrived at the fourth evening i had been confined to my bed for four and eighty hours the soil of tibet seemed determined to keep me and perhaps i should be allowed only to dream of the forbidden land at a distance surely on november third the god of the winds must have said to the westerly storm six days shalt thou labor on the seventh thou shalt become a hurricane dust and sand penetrated the thin canvas and covered everything in the tent the men who led the animals to water had rings of dust around their eyes and their faces were ashy gray for my part i felt like one of our poor worn-out brutes which does not know whether he will reach the next camp then i decided to remain here with some of the men and some provisions while robert and mohammed isa went in search of natives whom they might send to fetch me but no i would try to hold myself in the saddle for i did not wish to remain in this miserable fever camp i wore a whole wardrobe of winter clothes several trousers my leather jersey the ulster fur coat cap and bashlik it was a heavy weight for my weak tottering legs as i walked to my horse and was lifted into the saddle we followed the shore of the small lake near our camp but i soon perceived after nearly falling again and again that the exertion was too much for me so we halted and lighted a fire after a short rest we rode on and were delighted when at length we saw the smoke of our caravan rising behind a hill where it had camped by a source and had found fireplaces erected last summer with skulls and horns of tame sheep around them yak dung was very plentiful the source was therefore a watering place of wild yaks a third of the men were really ill most of them suffered from headache and all were more or less indisposed robert alone was in good health and he nursed us on november fifth the tracks of men became more frequent a yak's skeleton lay beside a hearth and the ashes piled up among the stones could not have been cold longer than the day before we climbed up some troublesome hills and then descended into a gully leading down to a large valley begirt with fiery red heights a number of excavations each with a heap of sand beside it attracted our attention the sand contained gold so not ordinary nomads but gold seekers had been here probably every summer to dig for gold in the lower part of the valley warm springs burst forth with a temperature of fifty-seven degrees so that the water seems quite hot a few yards farther however it forms a large sheet of ice in the next valley a hollow between precipitous terrace slopes a huge wild yak lay dead on the ground with twelve of our men standing round it tundup sonam had surprised a whole herd which had come down into the valley to drink the other animals had torn up the valley in headlong flight 
but this one struck by a bullet had made for the hunter and tunduk clambered up the edge of a terrace only just in time the yak remained at the foot uncertain what to do and received a second shot in the heart i photographed him from several points of view before he was skinned it was not easy to raise him into suitable posture the twelve men had to put forth all their strength the raven black coat of the beast formed a strong contrast to the red soil his long side fringes served him as a mattress when he lies down on november seventh we skirted a lake to the right we had steep mountains with disagreeable cones of sharp-edged debris two troops of fine ammon sheep numbering nine and five respectively skipped with bold leaps over the smooth abrupt rocks large numbers of hares were seen and frequently the holes of marmots where the inmates were still hibernating two tibetan cairns proved to us that we were on the right way that is the one the gold diggers use now we leave this part of the mountains on the right and proceed along the southern open and extensive plain by the lake shore there grazed a herd of perhaps fifty yaks twenty antelopes probably frightened by the caravan scampered away with elastic springs like the shadow of clouds moving over the earth soon the tents and all the details of camp number fifty six could clearly be distinguished and we had only a few minutes march more when even this short distance would have been too far for one of us if fate had so willed for close beside the tents near our animals a large black yak appeared rehem ali drew our attention to it but we took no further notice of it i took my last bearing of the tent and was in the act of laying down the ground on my map sheet when a shot cracked from mohammed isa's tent and the yak evidently hit rushed madly northwards we followed him with our eyes expecting to see him fall but no he turned and came running wildly toward us rahmali's face contorted with frantic fright and he raised his hands to heaven crying out allah allah we are lost the brute drew near in a cloud of dust his fringes waved and flew about and he lowered his horns for a rush i did not move for i thought he had not seen us and would turn back again but he held on his way and grew larger to the sight rahmali ran screaming to the tents but suddenly turned round and as our horses took fright and galloped off he caught hold of the tail of robert's steed hoping to follow us at a run the wild chase swept quicker and quicker over the plain and the yak changed his course and made a circuit towards us in a mad rage his breath rose like clouds of steam from his nostrils his muzzle almost grazed the ground he was ready to catch his victim on his horns toss him into the air and stamp him to jelly under his forefeet nearer and nearer i heard him panting and gasping like a steam saw turning in my saddle i saw him about twenty yards off his small fierce eyes blazing with fury and madness and rolling so as to show the blood-stained whites it was a question of a second i rode straight to my right my horse and i would be the first to be caught on the horns of the yak now the horses stretched their legs like bowstrings i tore off my red bashlik and waved it behind me to attract the yak and stop him but he did not look at it then i tore my belt off in order to take off my fur coat and throw it over the yak's eyes and blind him 
just when he was on the point of thrusting his horns into the belly of the horse and stiffening the muscles of his neck for the toss a second more and the yak would hoist the horse break my back and trample on my chest i seemed to hear the cracking and breaking of my ribs and i well deserved it for it was my fault alone that all the animals left behind us had to suffer so much then was heard a heart-rending cry of despair as i turned quickly round i saw rehemeli with uplifted arms fall senseless to the ground and the yak turn and rush at him he remained prostrate a lifeless mass and i saw the yak with lowered horns and his purple tongue hanging far out of his mouth dash down upon him in a cloud of dust now all the horses made off and i had some difficulty to keep my seat on my grey ladaki when i looked round again a second later the yak was running up the valley with his dust cloud about him turn back and see if there is still a spark of life in rehemali and if he can still be saved i called out master it is too dangerous the yak is still near and may come back muhammad isa and the rest are all running out of camp to look after rehemali but i had already turned and i rode to the fallen man he lay dead on his face with arms outstretched both robert and i thought at any rate that he was dead but when we had dismounted beside him he slowly turned his head and with a look of horror waved his hand as much to say do not trouble about me i am dead as a mouse we could not repress a smile when turning him over like a joint at the fire we examined his bones and joints and found that the fellow was still sound though severely bruised the yak had trodden upon the inner side of his left shank where a bloody stripe showed the mark of his hoof two strong men bore the fallen hero to muhammad isa's tent where he was well tended by robert he seemed stupefied for several days and we feared that his adventure had affected his brain he did not eat or speak and had to travel on horseback and one of his fellow-countrymen was told off to attend on him after some time when his head was clear again he was able to tell us his impressions when he saw the yak preparing to attack my horse he turned around and threw himself flat on the ground perhaps irritated by the red and violet chapcan floating about in the air the yak left me made an unexpected change of front and rushed with lowered horns on the fallen man he had half unconsciously made a quick movement to one side and the horns had struck the ground instead of entering his body and so close beside his head that rahim ali felt the panting breath of the brute in his face then he lost consciousness and did not revive till we came up and then he thought the yak was on him again he had intended to save himself by this manoeuvre and thereby had become our deliverer after the adventures he had taken part in lately he had an immense horror of tibetan lakes and wild yaks temperature sixteen and one-half degrees on the night of november twenty eighth one would expect that the temperatures would fall with the advance of winter but it remains constant owing in great measure to our progress southwards beyond a small pass we came to a longitudinal valley where the country was open towards the southeast game was abundant spores crossed one another in all directions and two bold yaks awakened in us greater respect than before at six places we saw large herds of wild asses and antelopes grazed on the plains 
we lost a mule here and had now sixteen animals of both kinds another day's journey across flat country we were traversing the large white patch of unknown land and were approaching bower's route at an acute angle though we were still rather far east of it a wild yak ran across our path and we wondered if it were our enemy of the previous day where we pitched our camp number fifty eight we found some hearths which could not be more than a couple of days old our excitement and eagerness increased day by day now the utmost margin of inhabited tibet could not be far distant as i let my eyes rove over these red or black snow-capped or bare crests i could fancy i could perceive a whole host of dancing notes of interrogation some in fantastic draperies mocking us because we had ventured without an escort into the forbidden land others motioning us onwards but all doubtful and speculative step by step day by day with failing strength we approached the solution of all these questions any moment a troop of mounted men might appear on the horizon bringing orders from devachung that we must immediately evacuate the country and retire northwards i was still convalescent went to bed at seven o'clock and was not much the better for it for i always felt terribly languid Tsering was very despondent because i did so little honour to his cooking how can the sahib regain his strength if he eats so little he used to remind me he was a comical fellow tsering as he marched day after day with his stick in his hand at the head of his detachment self-conscious and pompous as a chanticleer late at night we heard the dismal long-drawn howling of wolves close at hand we could tell from the wild complaining note that hunger had made the brutes bolder and that the odour of fresh meat excited them they were on the other side of the source and tundrup sonam stole off to scare them away by firing into the troop though there was small chance of hitting one in the darkness the brutes retired but in the night chased our animals which scampered off to the north as though there were a fire behind them but the men followed their trail and found them at dawn a good day's journey from the camp on november tenth we had good ground again and saw to the east southeast a lake which looked like a bright white ring the middle being deep blue near this day's camp number fifty nine were clear traces of a man who had driven five tame yaks to the lake the footprints were at most three days old and excited a great stir in the caravan we were undoubtedly close to human dwellings and i thought with regret of the interval of nearly three months during which we had had no cause to dread hostile tribes we held a council of war should we as long as possible avoid contact with men and keep out of the way of their tents so that we need not turn back until further progress became quite impossible or should we seek out the nearest nomads at once and beg them for assistance at this moment tundup sonam ran up out of breath he had been scouting to the west and had descried a black tent i immediately sent him to it with two other men and gave them a handful of rupees but the news they brought from this first meeting with human beings was not particularly interesting the tent was inhabited by a woman and her three children she had come from the district of gurtza in the southwest and had covered the distance in twenty-five short days marches she had arrived seventeen days before with her two husbands but both had returned a few days ago to gurtza after they had filled the tent for her with wild ass meat 
she was daily expecting her parents who were to keep her company for three months during which time they would live on game yaks kiangs and antelopes she owned a few yaks and a small flock of sheep which she and the oldest child tended and milked the inside of the tent was very wretched but a warm fire burned in the centre she knew that four more tents were standing in a neighbouring valley when tundup sonam told her that we were a party of ladakis on a pilgrimage to the holy places she replied that we had chosen a very bad route and would have done better to take a more southern road where there were men her geographical knowledge was limited the country in which we were now she called gomo selong the gold placers which we had passed lay in the lashung country and the lake at camp number fifty five she called lashung tso my servants who had already been in tibet held that this information was reliable for they had heard the names before now then the ice was broken after seventy-nine days of complete isolation from the outer world some of our men at least had seen human beings but other connections would soon follow this lonely woman this daughter of the wilderness this real lady of the mountains and again we discussed the line of policy we must adopt the woman dwelt alone and no news of our approach could be conveyed through her instrumentality to the south we could then take the matter for the present quite coolly as heretofore and when we were surrounded on all sides by nomads among whom reports are rapidly dispersed we must then think of hastening our movements we granted the animals a day's rest for the pasturage was good and it was pleasant to spend this day under canvas the storm whistled and howled through the grass and around the stones everything that was light and loose was blown away and the ground was swept clean the sky was cloudless and the air clear the wild commotion was only in the layer of air close to the ground and the important part played by the wind in the deformation of the surface was evident in such a storm huge masses of material must be removed from their original position in the night the storm ceased all of a sudden and it became so still all at once that i awoke it was as though we had encamped by a waterfall which in an instant ceased to roar one starts up and wonders what has happened but one soon becomes accustomed to the stillness and finds the absence of the noise and the draught a relief End of in the land of the wild yak by sven hedden read by phil schempf